2: is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to a championship edition of a Pack-A-Day Podcast. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thank you so much for making us part of your NFC Championship Week. And my name is Nick Schmitz. I'll be your host for the day and we've got a lot to go over Going into NFC Championship weekend with the Green Bay Packers playing this Sunday in the NFC Championship game, and that's obviously where we're going to start with the podcast today, but I mean, just go back to August, I mean, hell, you can even go all the way back to this time, 2019 of last year of January, where the Packers were, and where did you have the Packers this season? I'm pretty sure I had the Packers at maybe 8-8 under a new head coach. Certainly not in the playoffs. Certainly not winning their division. And certainly not in the NFC Championship game. So just think about that for a second. The last time this team was in the playoffs was the the run-the-table year, right? It was kind of a weird regular season. Then they get hot, beat the Giants, beat the Cowboys... And let's be real, that team just ran out of gas and bodies and, you know, got steamrolled in the NFC Championship game. But that's the thing. The last time this team was in the playoffs, they were in the NFC Championship game. And here we are once again with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And that's very, very exciting. So, first and foremost, before we go any further into this podcast, enjoy that. There's only four teams that get to do this every year of 32, and we're one of those four. So enjoy it. Enjoy it, even if you're not all that optimistic about this weekend. Enjoy it. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy that said, "Well, it doesn't matter if they beat the Seahawks because they're going to lose anyway." Don't don't be that person. So, all right. Well, before we get into soapboxing on any of that, let me bring in the rest of the team here: Jacob, Maggie. Back again for as a whole team for the first time in what feels like a long time. Is I feel like we haven't as been together as a whole team since before Christmas. Is that right?
3: Uh, it might I so. be. I think so. Yeah.
2: I think if we have to think about it, I think the answer is probably yes. <laughs> but but back together, a whole team once again, and perfect time to be back together as a full team here. NFC Championship weekend well, championship weekend for both the NFC and the AFC, but championship weekend nonetheless. And Maggie, I know you weren't with us last week, so I want to start with you. Just give me your quick thoughts. You know, we talked before. We talked about this in the past a couple of times. Talked about it before the show today. You know, this Packers team, none of us had them at this spot. And none of us had them as a division winner. And none of us had them with the record they have. Maggie, where did you have this team when the season started or right before the season started?
4: I think I, I'm pretty sure I had them going 10 and six and I think I had them making the wild card in the playoffs, but I definitely did not expect them to have either the record that they have or be as far into the playoffs as they already are. Um, So yeah, I just, you pretty much summed up everything that I wanted to touch on here, but You know, there's that saying, the higher you climb, the harder you fall. Like, aren't we still glad that we are one of four teams that is able to still keep climbing? I mean, I know that the defeats get worse as you get closer and closer to the Super Bowl. And if you make the Super Bowl and lose, that is just as heartbreaking because you were that close. But the whole point is there's 28 teams right now that would trade places with you. Ask Vikings fans, ask Ravens fans. You know, this team, quote-unquote, has been winning ugly all season and winning ugly in the playoffs is still winning and that still gives you a shot at a Super Bowl ring. Aaron Rodgers said it to all the players in the locker room this week. You know, he said, it's going to take all of us. I'm going to need all you guys. Jimmy Graham mentioned it. And then Jimmy Graham had a killer game against Seattle. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, those are two guys that stepped up for this team. I mean, you can walk in there and say, hey, guys, people don't really think you look that good. You're not playing that great. And if they all get a ring out of it, I really don't think that they're going to care. And I don't think this fan base is going to care what happens being one of four teams left.
2: Yeah, well, and, you know, again, I, I have to echo that. Like, I mean, I I I understand wanting to maybe look a little bit better in some of these games. But, I mean, the reality is if if you're somebody that's concerned, I, I, I was listening to I Live in Green Bay. And I listen to some of the local radio, and I hear some of the people that call in. And I got to say, some of the people were, you know, they were ripping on the Packers for their play in the second half. And, like, now I, for one, am probably in the same boat as a lot of people. I know Packer fans hate the Seahawks probably almost as much as they hate the Bears or the Vikings for good reason, (laughs) right? I get all that. And I know that people aren't big Russell Wilson fans. I get that for so many reasons. But you like some of what we need to keep in mind is even if you don't like Russell Wilson, he's probably a Hall of Fame level quarterback, and like to think that you were going to after halftime just continue to hold Seattle and Russell Wilson to three more points in the second half it, it doesn't make any logical sense. So I mean, yes, this team isn't you know they're not they're they're not the what oh seven Patriots that went. 16 and 0 lost the Super Bowl and blew everybody out except in the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, they're not that team, but nobody is. So, uh, Jacob, uh, before the season started, where did you have this team?
3: Nine and seven and missing the playoffs uh, just by a hair. I had them starting fast and kind of having the wheels come off a little bit. So to me, they're playing with house money uh, because it is not possible for the Packers to underachieve this season. I know the narrative always is that any year with Aaron Rodgers that's not a Super Bowl, any year in Green Bay that's not a Super Bowl is wasted. Spare me because there is no way if I got honesty out of every single one of you that says that to me, you were not expecting a run to the Super Bowl this season. You may not have even had them going to the playoffs this season. So to me, you know, Maggie touched on something about how getting a Super Bowl ring and winning ugly. I know for a fact that's true because I'm friends with Giants fans. And Giants fans in 2011 and 2007 won ugly all the way to that Super Bowl, and guess what? They don't care because there's two Super Bowl rings that came out of it. In 2010, the Packers won two playoff games. You think the Eagles game? We all remember the Atlanta game, and we all remember the Super Bowl because those games were awesome. But the Eagles, or the Eagles game and the Bears game, those were winning ugly. Green Bay had to win those games close. They had to win tight games at the very, very end. Aaron Rodgers played like crap against the Bears, and they still won. Well. If that's what it takes to win, to quote the quarterback, I don't care,
2: Nick. <laughs> well, I don't care either. As long as they are winning, that's that's what we're here for. That's why you watch the games. And now, I, I, I know, Jacob, I had mentioned this to you guys both after the, after the win on Sunday. So, I... I obviously rooting for the Packers to win, but I have a similar feeling right now as I did in 2014 when the Packers played the Seahawks in the NFC championship game, that one that they should have won. Uh, We won't talk too much about that, but I kind of went into that game. I didn't expect to go into Seattle and win that game. They were the defending Super Bowl champs. They were really good all year. They were the number one seed. I wanted them to win, but I didn't expect them to win. I have a similar feeling this time around. I, I don't expect Green Bay to win, but, you know, I still going to be rooting for them on Sunday. And so just quickly, guys, we'll talk about it more, but Maggie, your just quick feeling about this Sunday's game is what?
4: I'll say this. The games that I go into feeling really good about are always super close games. The games I expect <laughs> the Packers to lose, they end up making magic happen. And the games I expect them to play dominantly in – They don't. So whatever I'm feeling right now, I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think that it's going to be um, a blowout by either side. I don't think it's going to be a repeat of week 12. I think the Packers are going to look a lot more prepared. And a lot of that is stuff we'll touch on later where they have a right tackle now and they have a return game and they're not going to beat themselves in the first five minutes of the game. Um, So all that, yeah, I think this will be a better matchup. But the San Francisco defense also is better now than it was in week 12. Um, Do I think the Packers can do enough to win? I don't know, but I do know that they're 60 minutes from a Super Bowl, and I can guarantee you everyone on that sideline knows that too. So if there was ever a time for this team to win as ugly as possible and still win, it is now in the championship game against San Francisco.
2: All right, and Jacob, your quick thoughts on Sunday's game.
3: Yeah, I mean, Maggie really hit it on the head there. I, I haven't had a feel for this team most of the year. Uh, I thought they were going to get blown out in Minnesota. They won that game by two scores. I thought they were going to blow out Washington. They won by five. All I know is they are 60 minutes away from a game that nobody expected them to be able to play in. And I can also tell you, if you guys want to feel a little bit better, say, well, you know, because I heard somebody ask me today uh, at work. They're like, oh, when's the last time, you know, an underdog or a team that's not favored or like wasn't expected to win won an NFC championship game? Well, the answer is each of the last two seasons. Uh, nobody was really picking the Rams to go into the super dump and beat the saints. And the year before that, after the Minneapolis miracle, the Eagles were home underdogs and they won 38 to seven. So it's not impossible. Uh, the 49ers are very good. There's no question about that. But when do you not play a team that's very good in the NFC championship game at some point, and maybe it won't happen until after the Lombardi trophy is over Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers's head. I don't know. But at some point, I think we have to embrace that this is just what this team is. They're good, and it doesn't have to be explainable. I kind of had my shouting match with the, oh, the Packers aren't that good. I don't care if they beat the Vikings twice. They're still not better than the Vikings group. Part of the reason we love sports is because they're unpredictable. It's not something that you can't just throw a spreadsheet down and say, okay, on paper, these teams are better. These teams will win. These teams go to the Super Bowl, and they play each other and win. That's not how it works. The 2010 Packers were not supposed to go to the Super Bowl. They did anyways. The Two years ago, the Eagles were not supposed to win the Super Bowl. They played the Vikings, who had a vicious defense. They played the Falcons, who were in the Super Bowl the previous year. And then they played the Patriots, all of which were the backup quarterback. And guess what? They beat all of them. This Packers team has that chance to do just that. I think people expected them to beat Seattle. Because they were at home, nobody's going to pick them to beat San Francisco. So get that in your mind right now. Nobody, some of their own fans. And Aaron Rodgers has talked about that before. These guys read everything, guys. So I think they know how the fan base feels collectively maybe about this team. But this team believes in each other. They believe in themselves. And they have this, I don't know what to call it. I don't know how to quantify it. But they have it. And special teams and championship teams have it. Whatever that is. The Packers have it. Now, is that enough to beat the 49ers on Sunday? I don't know. We're going to find out, but I do know one thing. Like Maggie said, there's 28 other teams that would trade spots with the
2: Packers right now. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, Sunday, the last time Green Bay went to San Francisco to play an NFC Championship game, 1998. They beat San Francisco in that championship game to go to the Super Bowl that they eventually lost to the Denver Broncos, but The point being is, the last time they went to San Francisco to play this game, they won it. So, um, I want to talk about the wide receiver group going into this weekend, because it's been a question all year. We all know that Devontae Adams is a stud, and um, man, if you're one of those people that said that we should trade him, I don't know know why, (laughs) but um, Devontae Adams is a stud. We all know that. And then after Devontae Adams is kind of just, I mean, it's it's not bad. I, w- I think the best way I could say it is inconsistent and inexperienced. And Alan Lazard has probably, to this point in the year, if you were to pick a number two, it's probably him. It's not necessarily due to a whole lot of, Uh, it's not because he's head and shoulders above everybody else. I think it's a lack of inconsistency from the other receivers in the room. Uh, Some of it is him stepping up. But um, this is going to be a little bit of fun for me uh, because it is something that we can actually do that pertains to the podcast that is actually relevant. Uh, I love my father-in-law, and every week he sends me his quote-unquote hot takes for the Packers. And so he actually gave me one that is... I think, good enough to use this week. Talked with it before the show here. It's a good question. And so the question is, can any receiver step up and be a legit number two for just one game? That being this Sunday. Because the reality is, um, if they're going to beat San Francisco, I I, I don't feel – I feel that San Francisco is going to look at what Green Bay did this past Sunday against Seattle and say, all right – they targeted Aaron or uh, Devontae Adams a lot, and Devontae Adams had what eight catches for 160 yards and two touchdowns. Yes, he's not going to replicate that, I don't think, against San Francisco. Their defense is too good, and they're going to look at that and say they're going to take that piece away. And so Devontae Adams, it, it, Devontae Adams will he, will get his targets. He will get his touches. He will it's just it won 't be that same dominating performance i don 't think this weekend, so the reality is somebody 's going to need to step up, and even if it 's just for one game i don 't care who it is if it's if it 's geronimo allison d- does anyone really care at this point who steps up I mean at this point we 're all so kind of just like just yearning for that number two i don 't think anyone really cares, but uh, Maggie if somebody 's going to step up this week, I mean is there somebody a that you would like hope that it would be? And then, B, is there a somebody that you're looking at that you're like, okay, if I realistically had to pick, like, who's, who has the best opportunity to step up and make plays as the number two receiver this weekend? Who's it going to be?
4: My thought process is probably cheating. But, you know, this whole season, all they've said is do your 111th. And I thought the Seattle game was the epitome of being your 111th. Devontae Adams, 160 yards, two touchdowns, like you said, eight receptions, he was all over the place. Al Nazard got hurt, didn't have a catch. But then Geronimo Ellison on a key third down, one catch for 11 yards. Jimmy Graham, only three receptions, 49 yards. All three of them go for first downs, and he seals the game. Aaron Jones only had 62 yards on the ground, but he also had two touchdowns. And I think this is the kind of team where you don't necessarily need to have a star-wide receiver number two, you just need a supporting cast that can get the job done. And I think against Seattle, this offense proved that they could get the job done. Aaron Rodgers was money again. He was back to playoff Aaron Rodgers. Some of the throws he made were just fantastic. And yes, he did kind of look for Devonta Adams maybe a little too much at times um, when players like Tyler Irvin were open. But I think that's part of it. And Jay Sternberger got involved kind of in a fullback role uh, against Seattle, which was really interesting. Um, So we don't necessarily, I think, need to see someone step into a number two role. We just need to see the role players be role players. And I think that it'll be an okay performance then uh, without having like a key star number two. All
2: right. And Jacob, for you?
3: Yeah, I kind of echo the sentiments of of Maggie there. I mean, I know, like she said, that's probably cheating, but the, the reality of the situation is The Packers don't have a consistent number two wide receiver. They haven't all year. And it's not like one magically appears out of thin air. What you need is for, like she said, somebody to step up and be in that role on third and seven with the game on the line. It was Jimmy Graham third and 10. Once it was Geronimo Allison, Alan Lazard has made big plays like that before Jake Kumaro's had a couple nice plays down the sidelines. There's opportunities. It's about the guys making the most of those opportunities when that time comes. But ultimately, yes, if Green Bay is going to win and go to the Super Bowl, Sunday's game is a perfect blueprint for that. Their stars played like stars. They have five sacks. Zadarius Preston both have two, Kenny has one. On offense, Aaron Rodgers is lighting it up, throwing the ball to Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones has two touchdowns. The offensive line protects him. Those are the things that are going to matter the most. So it's again, it's really not somebody specific, it's just There's going to be a time where, like you said, Robert Saleh is going to double-team Devontae Adams on a big play. It's a matter of can they find a way to counter that? Because they did on Sunday with Seattle. Seattle double-teamed Adams on that big third down, and it still didn't matter. They found a way to beat it. But if they execute, can Green Bay find a counterpunch? Because sometimes this year they haven't been able to do that. Other times they have. They're going to need to on Sunday.
2: All right. Well, there you go. And. Want to transition into just um another topic, Jacob you had mentioned, and i kind of I want to get both of you guys' take on this, Jacob, you had mentioned that you know when what 's different this the second time around when you play a team and you know obviously exclude division games because that happens every year, but you can even include that, but this will be the second time that Green Bay has played San francisco this year it 's the second time they 've played them in San Francisco this year, and so Jacob you kind of talked about you know what's different the second time around so what is going to be different this time around
3: yeah it's something I like to look at even with the division games because this year the division games were so early in the season we didn't know what the Packers were and then later in the year we knew what they were or kind of knew what they were and what the other teams namely really Chicago weren't Uh, so this time with San Francisco I think the biggest difference first of all is that Alex Light barring a disaster is not going to play right tackle and Andy Herman does his grading the pack. And he said today on Twitter that that was far and away the lowest graded game for an offensive player all season long. And trust me, the Bosa family exists to torment me. I know that. So it's an understanding that they're going, he's going to make plays on Sunday. He's great. He's already awesome. He's a phenomenal player. They need Brian Balaga and Balaga is going to be coming off of essentially two full weeks of rest, actually two and a half. Well, It's not really resting if you left the game with a concussion, but two full weeks of rest because he didn't play last Sunday, obviously coming off the bye week. He should be fresh, and that all-pro level that he played at against your likes of Khalil Mack, Daniil Hunter, players like that, they're going to need that. They're going to need to shut Bosa down at least a little bit and give Roger some time because everybody's going to say, well, you know, drop a game plan to get the ball out quick. Cool, that's a nice idea in theory, but you can't, three-step drop on 35 dropbacks a game I mean there's going to be a time where they're going to have to let some longer plays develop down the field so that's one and the other one I think is you've talked about how you know the last time this team played they said they laid an egg they weren't focused they weren't ready I don't that doesn't really comfort me because I don't understand how that was the case when the game was essentially for the number one seed but whatever I'll be okay with it if they win on Sunday but I really can't picture them playing like that they're not going to turn the ball over on their third play from scrimmage and essentially give the 49ers a touchdown you know the 49ers are good enough on their own they're even better if you just gift wrap them seven points early in the game like Green Bay did you know last time around I know the final score says 37 to 8 and it was I mean it was a non-competitive game I'm not going to try to make it sound better but the defense did do a relatively good job against that offense. It was just by the time that the defense was starting to tire out, the offense couldn't do anything to help them out. And they got gassed and kind of gave up and they had a coverage bust on one play from George Kittle and one play from Debo Samuel and bang, there you have it. So I think it's different. I think Matt Lafleur's smarter now than he was six weeks ago. I, you know, I think a lot's going to be made of his relationship with Kyle Shanahan and Robert Saleh and, uh, I don't think that's going to matter all that much. I mean, maybe it motivates them a little bit more to try and beat them, but they've played each other. This is a game to go to the Super Bowl. If you need extra motivation, you're in the wrong profession. So at the end of the day, green Bay cannot play worse than they did the last time these two teams met. I think that that's, I'll say this. I think that seven and a half point spread that Vegas has out is going to be too high. Uh, If you're a jelly bean wagering type, uh, take the points and uh, bet the
2: Packers. All right. And Maggie, for you, what's what's different for you this time around with this, with this matchup?
4: So my big thing going into this game is converting on third down. So against San Fran Week 12, they were 1 of 15 on third down conversions. And I thought, honestly, against Seattle, they had one of their best uh, performances of the season, which obviously came at a really good time, sustaining drives. Against Seattle, they were 9 of 14 for a conversion percentage of 64. Um, so – that was the big thing that they were missing in San Francisco is they weren't able to get any momentum or sustain any drives because they were consistently punting, going three and out, having to get off the field. Um, so if they can carry that over um, with, like I mentioned before, some of these role players um, being in the right spot, sustaining long drives, giving the defense some time to rest, um, ty- tiring out the San Fran defense because we all you know have seen it, Uh, That front seven is dominant, and their pass defense is, I think, first in the league in a number of categories. So so long, sustained drives to burn the clock, I think, are going to be one of the key things uh, to emphasize on Sunday.
2: All right. Well, and, you know, again, it's – you know, I I heard this at – heard this a couple of weeks ago. One thing that is, I think goes in Green Bay's favor this week is the fact that the last time they played, they got blown out. Because it's probably a whole hell of a lot easier to motivate a team that got destroyed the last time you played than it is to motivate a team that the last time they played won by 29 points and was a very easy victory. So motivation, you know, whatever it means for the players, who knows? But... You know, I can't imagine that there isn't a single person in the Packers organization that doesn't that, that isn't motivated just by the idea of we don't want to be embarrassed again. So I, I think you're going to get a much more competitive game. And as I joked with Jacob before, um, I don't think Devontae Adams is going to speak <laughs> to a single defensive player from San Francisco this weekend. Uh, I don't think that's going to come up. And, you know... It, some, now you, you got to feel for who San Francisco is, right? We know that San Francisco is a real contender at this point. Six, seven weeks ago, I mean, yeah, they were, what, 8-1 and one going into that game. And, you know, most people figured they were a contender, but there was still a question. There were still questions about the San Francisco team. We now know who both these teams are. They're both great teams. They're both deserving of where they're at. They're the one and two seeds, respectively, in the NFC. It is what it should be coming into this weekend. So there's going to be no surprises as far as what you're getting from your opponent come Sunday. So um, with that, we haven't done this in a while for various reasons. A bye week being one of the reasons why we can't do it, because it's hard to give out a green and golden when you don't play, because <laughs> it's really nice when you have a bye week in the playoffs. So we're going to bring that back. And uh, Maggie, let's start with you. You're green and golden, and uh, let me let me give a refresher here before we go any further. My wife came up with this idea after Mason Crosby's horrendous day in Detroit last year. Well, I guess, I guess technically I have to say two years ago now, um, where he missed, what, six kicks, And her idea is that every team should have a person that their job is to carry around a puppy and they hug players that, you know, have bad games, um, need a hug and a puppy because who doesn't love puppies? So – We've also kind of modified that, though, because when you win, it's kind of hard to look at that. So we just, it's kind of our, you know, who made a great play or who played well kind of green and golden for winning. So, Maggie, your green and golden from Sunday's game goes to who?
4: I'm going to give out two Green and Goldens to Geronimo Allison and Jimmy Graham because they both kind of had fluctuating seasons. where Fans weren't really impressed with their performances. They had a lot of drops. Uh, They weren't necessarily living up to the expectations that I think they would even have for themselves, let alone the fan base. Um, And they both came up huge on third downs against Seattle. So both of them, to me, get Green and Goldens for improving their performances and really coming in clutch when the Packers needed them to on Sunday.
2: All right. And Jacob, your Green and Golden goes to who?
3: I'm actually going by the original intention. Like we said, it's kind of hard to give one out when you win, but apparently with this fan base, you guys aren't happy unless you have something to complain about. Uh, So for those of you that were in my mentions, and Maggie said they were in theirs, talking about how, well, who cares if they beat Seattle, they're just going to lose to San Francisco. anyways. Give me a break because how is this – I mean, you've watched the two last two seasons – And you can't tell me that objectively this is far more enjoyable than the last two. And I know that scaling back as long as I can to 2014, 2012, when when this team won pretty, you guys complained back then too. So the idea that your first instinct can be to complain after a team wins a playoff game against their playoff nemesis, you guys need a hug and a puppy because I really don't know if anything else can possibly make you happy.
2: All right, well – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back on the positive train here, and I, I, ju- I just thought of this, and Maggie, you're going to agree with this. I know my wife's going to love this, but, I mean, let's be real. Who's more deserving of a hug and a puppy than Matt LaFleur for winning his first playoff game as a head coach of the Green Bay Packers and as a head coach in general? Um, you know, I know when he was hired there was – I'll admit – when I saw that the Packers hired Matt LaFleur back in, what was it, February, March?
3: January 7th, 2018. 2019, excuse me. Uh,
2: all right, there you go, January 7th. So I was even given giving him less time in Green Bay. Um, I will admit, I had no idea who he was. I had to look it up. I didn't know. Um, but first-year head coach, 13-3. and three, And, I mean, Matt LaFleur may not know this as well as – players like Aaron Rodgers, but beating Seattle on Sunday was more than just going to the NFC Championship game. There's a lot there with Seattle as far as championship games, um, just the inter- interceptions that are ruled touchdowns for some unbeknownst reason there's a lot there beyond just winning a playoff game. And for him to get his first playoff victory, when nobody seems to believe in this team, um, he gets all of the puppies as my wife would say. So he gets all the puppies and all the hugs. And
3: on that note, Nick, something else was far and away the biggest mismatch in terms of playoff experience, because Pete Carroll, two super bowls, tons of playoff games in Seattle And I really think I kind of made this comparison earlier in the week, and it was that coaching Aaron Rodgers is a lot like coaching LeBron James in basketball, for example, where the microscope is definitely on you when something doesn't go well. So I don't think anybody was under more pressure on Sunday than Matt LaFleur. And I thought he was brilliant. And that's not a word that I use lightly. Um, I think that His management of the clock at the end of the first half, I thought his play calling, his plan was great. And I thought, I loved everything I heard from him. We'll never know. But he said they were going to go for it on fourth down had Jimmy Graham been ruled short. And that's something that I love it. He wasn't afraid to lose a playoff game. He was trying to win one. And that's something... All gas, no break, that's something you're going to need on Sunday because that San Francisco team keeps on coming. So I didn't mean to hijack your segment there, but Matt LaFleur was awesome on Sunday, and I can't stress that enough.
2: Yeah, he certainly was. It's, it's not hijacking when you're taking it from me. Maggie, that might be a different <laughs> story, but nobody is hijacking anything when, when I am talking. So um, one last fact before we wrap up the show here. Um, this is going to be Aaron Rodgers' fourth NFC championship game. Okay, he's 1-2 in NFC Championship games. He has never played an NFC Championship game at Lambeau. That'll stay the same this week. But there is one thing different about this NFC Championship game this week, and who knows if it means anything at all. It, it's really inconsequential. But Aaron Rodgers has never played the late game in NFC Championship. Every NFC Championship game he has played has always been the early one. He, for the first time, gets the late slated game. So that is... That is what I bring to this podcast—the random who cares fact for, hey, for, for that, podcasting. So, That's pretty good. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, the first time ever, Aaron Rodgers has played the late game for the NFC Championship game. So, all right, guys, real quickly before we wrap up here, Maggie, if people want to follow you, get in touch with you, follow your work, how do they do that?
4: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, and you can find my writing for Cheesehead TV, and also I would die for Matt LaFleur. Thanks.
2: <laughs> all right, and Jacob, I know. All right, well, Jacob, all right, I got to ask. Now that we're in the NFC Championship game, are you on Maggie's level yet of dying for Matt LaFleur? I think the last time we were at it, you were like maybe taking a great bullet know. or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, where are we at now on this? Cause has it changed uh, yet? No, I'm not dying for, again, somebody (laughs) not named Frankie or Blake.
3: That's about it. Uh, Blake Westendorf, I should say, not Blake Martinez. No offense (laughs) to Blake Martinez. I don't hate you nearly as much as some of Twitter does.
2: Good clarification. So, all right. Well, but Jacob, people want to follow you, get in touch with you, follow your work. How do they do that? Yeah, I'm at Jacob Westendorf.
3: You can find my writing at Packer Report, and I am looking into legally changing my daughter's name to
2: to Zedarius. All right. Well, we'll, uh, that'll be an off-season topic that uh, we will. I'm sure we will broach. Yeah, I got to figure
3: out: is there a way to do that without my wife finding out? She has to sign for that, doesn't she? I
2: think so. I I don't know. I don't have any children of my own.
3: Um, Okay, so ladies, I'm going to need your help here. Tell me what alcohol gets you the drunkest and allows you to make the worst decisions ever because that's the only way you can sign
2: legally binding documents without consent it's by the way rum okay Uh, all right well all right so we've got an answer and a topic of conversation for a completely different podcast so with that thank you so much for listening everyone and just remember This team, the last two years, had won what? A combined total of 12 games, right? I have that number right? Or is it 13? 13. So technically, as of right now, this team, in one season, has won more games than they had in the last two years combined. Enjoy Sunday's game. Yes, if they lose, be mad. Be a fan. Be upset that they lost. But also...
3: It's kind of the point, though,
2: right? Like You can only be happy
3: if you know how to be sad, too. Like, I know... (laughs) I know the Super Bowl in 2010 felt as good as it did because of how 2007 against the Giants felt, right? Like, isn't that
2: right? Exactly. But if they lose, be mad, but don't also support this team. Don't think that they're just going to get rolled, right? Think that have faith. This team can win, and and they've been doing it all year. And and this is the point. All year, everybody said they're not good. They're going to lose. They can't. They can't win. And I'm pretty sure. All 53 of those players and that entire coaching staff has been so proud to prove everyone wrong every time they've been told that, and I'm sure they're going to be looking forward to do it again this weekend. So with that, again, 5.40 Central, 6.40 Eastern, 3.40 Pacific time. That is kickoff for the NFC Championship game that your Green Bay Packers are playing in this weekend with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So with that, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And as always, Go Pack Go!
3: Seattle, you're the visiting team. It is your choice. We're going Tails. Tails. Tails is the call. It is, it is tails. You win the toss, Seattle. We'll defer. 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 Seattle wins
5: the toss. to defer their choice in the second half. Green Bay will receive. Myers with the run-up and a swing of the right leg. We're underway in the divisional round of the playoffs. goes Aaron Jones, big hole around the left end, outside the numbers 30, 35, 40, he's to the 45, rope down to the deep secondary, 23-yard run to start the festivities here. Here's the snap, rushes on, he looks, he lost, left side, he's got a touchdown on an over-the-shoulder grab in the corner of the north end zone, and the Packers take the lead on a 20-yard touchdown pass. Aaron under center, third down, a goal to go at the one. here's the handoff to Jones, fighting his way to the end zone, is he in? Yes, touchdown! Aaron Rodgers under center, and here is the flip to Irvin around the left end, makes the turn 40, 45-50, breaks the tackle, stumbling 45, front down to the 40-yard line number. Third down, goal to go, Rodgers shotgun, Jones to his right. Here's a give, Aaron Jones to the end zone. Touchdown, straight ahead run. Aaron Jones, second touchdown of the night, gives the Packers a 20-3 lead. Third down, snap Rogers, shotgun, locks it over the right side. Jimmy Graham over the shoulder, catch, 45 yards left of Seattle, and down he goes. Rogers under center, fake to Jones. Rogers deep drop, looking, pops it over the left side. they wide open, halftime the number 20, cuts it back is huge. 3.38 to go for the game. Packers lead by five. Wilson's shotgun. Snap to Russell Wilson. Rushes off. Wilson is at it set. It is Preston Smith with a huge play. A mega play by Preston Smith. Loss of six. Third down and eight. 2.19 to go in the game. Rogers in the shotgun. Takes the snap. Rushes on. Lost it over the right side. The yeah. over the shoulder. Catch out of bounds. Crossed the 50. First down, Green Bay. The 46-yard line of Seattle. That was huge. Third and nine for Green Bay. Huge play here for the Packers. Rodgers in the shotgun. Snaps to Rodgers. Blitz on. He throws it over the middle. Jimmy Graham's got it. Stumbling close to the first down. He's got the first down. 36-yard line of Seattle. First and ten. Gain of nine. And the dagger in this one was the stumbling catch by Jimmy Graham. And time is winding down on this one. And that'll do it. The Green Bay Packers have advanced to the NFC Championship game
6: with a 28-23 to victory over the Seattle Seahawks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.